You're listening to the Grinding in Grace podcast, episode number two. I'm your host, Cassandra Robinson, a 30-year-old Mexican-American woman, entrepreneur, Jesus lover, and creative, learning to navigate this crazy yet beautiful thing we call life, one devotional and journal entry at a time. I started the Grinding in Grace podcast as a place of surrender. While the world is shouting at us to do more and to be more, the Lord is calling us to choose the one thing that is needed. That is sitting at the feet of our dear and precious Lord. Join me as we navigate what it means to be in the world, but not of it. From marriage to finances, to self-love and entrepreneurship, I promise to provide you with practical and actionable advice if you dare to choose the good part. Let's get started. This episode is one of several to come in a series titled The Battle for Your Thought Life and was inspired by a book by Sharon James called Enough, Silencing the Lies That Steal Your Confidence. The first step in reclaiming your thought life and bringing it unto the obedience of Christ is recognizing who the real enemy is. Any battle that was won in the history of the world was won because the opponent knew who their enemy was. They didn't go into battle blindfolded, unaware of who they were fighting. But for many of us, that's how we lead our Christian life. We aren't aware of who the real enemy is. That is why this is the first step in reclaiming your thought life. In order to take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ, we must know who we're dealing with. Who is behind the insidious lies that say we're not good enough? Who is behind the lies that say that you're not forgiven or that your past dictates who you are. Friends, it's time. It's time to receive God's love for us and to realize in a practical way what he has accomplished on the cross. We can read the Bible every day. We can share the gospel until we're blue in the face and tell other people how they are forgiven and how Christ died for them and forgave them of their sins. But if we don't apply his truths to our own life, then it can never be fully experiential for us. Women around the world have grown up with a distorted view of who they are. The words they speak to themselves do not align with the truth of who God says they are. And that is fearfully and wonderfully made. But today we are going to set the record straight. We will unveil who the real enemy is once and for all and see how you can immediately reclaim your thought life and learn not to fall victim to his subtle lies that say you're not good enough. In the last episode, I shared a little bit about my own struggle 
with deep rooted insecurity and how I've used some practical tools to begin the journey of accepting myself just as God created me, which I have to tell you, friends, has been a long time coming. Feeling insecure and confident in my own skin has been an uphill battle for, oh, I'd say a good 15 years. But like you, I am so, so, so ready to just be content with who I am and how God made me, flaws, shortcomings, and all, at least my perceived flaws, to defeat the enemy in our mind that says we aren't good enough. Like I mentioned, we must unveil who he is, and that is Satan. But I want to remind you before we move forward that Satan does not get the center stage. No. The truth is, he has already been defeated by what Christ accomplished on the cross. In fact, in Revelations 20.10, it is written, The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet will be tormented day in and day out forever and ever. Praise the Lord. Satan has been defeated. And that is our starting point, friends. We are reverse engineering this thing. We already know the end of the story. The accuser of the brethren has been cast down. However, this is not so in our daily life. This has not become our reality yet. In fact, many of us let Satan run rampant in our minds, receiving and not shielding every fiery dart that he throws at us. But by uncovering his main tactics and knowing who he is, we can learn to reject his lies and therefore reclaim our thought life. So let us take a look at the Garden of Eden where it all began. In Genesis, the stage is set. The Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and named him Adam. In Hebrew, Adama, which literally translated means red clay. We were formed from the dust of the ground. We are vessels made and created to contain him. In Genesis 1.26, the triune God said, Let us make man in our image. This being, this created being, would be different from all the rest of creation. With a body, soul, and spirit, man would be able to enter into a personal relationship with his creator. Can you imagine the scene? You could just see the excitement of the angels as they hovered low. Both male and female were uniquely designed for a specific purpose that only they were fit for. To be God's image bearers on the earth. To have dominion over the earth. God saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone. So he formed Eve from a rib of Adam. And now you have the first unit of salvation, man and woman. But of course, you and I know that this story doesn't end happily ever after. On the day of the Lord's creating man and woman, 
there was one onlooker who watched with evil intent. The serpent is referred to by many names in the Bible, all of which are crafty, evil, and subtle. Jesus called him in John 8:44 the father of lies. Paul referred to him as the prince of the air in Ephesians. In the book of Revelation, John called him the devil, the accuser of the brethren and the great dragon. But no matter what you choose to call him, it is clear that he is a liar and deceiver. And that is exactly what he did in the Garden of Eden. Satan slithered up to Eve and posed a question. Now, let me pause here for a moment to focus in on the setting. Eve was apart from Adam in that moment. She did not run to take the covering of her husband. And haven't you found that when lies encroach on your mind, you are typically either physically alone or have feelings of loneliness? And in those moments, those weak moments when we feel alone or are alone with our thoughts, he tends to creep in and use it as an opportunity to continue to throw his lies at us. So that is just one way for us to be cognizant of his lies. So back to the question being posed. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? This was an invitation to enter into a dialogue. He knew, Satan knew exactly what God had said. He knew the scripture. He knows the scripture even better than us. He was trying to draw Eve into a conversation to confuse her and cause her to doubt God. And now isn't that much of our experience? We question God's word. Are we really holy, beloved, and forgiven? Has the Lord really washed us? of our sins. Is his blood so efficacious that no matter what we've done, we simply can confess and our sins and he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins? Do you see that tonality? The question mark at the end versus the exclamation point? No, I am forgiven. When I confess my sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive me my, of my sins. Friends, this is the battle for our thought life. We can turn that question mark, tug it, and make it an exclamation point, a declaration to the enemy. I want you to notice how subtle the lie was as well. He didn't show up with a gun or even a knife for his attack. He simply wielded his subtle lies. The serpent knew Adam and Eve would not buy into a bald-faced denial of God. So he slipped into the garden with the twist and turn of the truth. You see, the devil can't take away the promises of God or his calling over your life. But he can put a question mark at the end of those promises to cause you to question if his word is really for you, if it really applies to your life. Anytime you have a thought that begins with the words, did God really say? You need to stop and ask yourself, 
Where did that thought come from? That thought is not from the Lord. He is not a God of confusion. He is a God of truth, light, and love. Let's take a look at what the verse in Genesis 2.16 really said. God said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, do you see how he twisted the truth? Instead of a period, he put a question mark. Did God really say that? Yes, he did. And that can be our response. Yes, God said, I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am justified, called righteous, perfect, blameless in his sight. I am God's treasured possession. I am set free. Hallelujah. This is it. This is the first step in reclaiming our thought life and is an essential strategy in the battle plan for our mind. The Apostle Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5, 8 to be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In order to be sober, we must know who the victor is, what has already been accomplished, and who the enemy is, and what his weapon of choice is. The enemy is not your spouse who disappointed you, your best friend who hurt you, your mother or father who failed you, your co-workers who belittled you. No, because our warfare is not carnal. Our battle is not fleshy. That means the enemy isn't other people, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities and the power of the dark world. But like I mentioned, he does not get the focus. Now that we know where the warfare is, in 2 Corinthians 10, it says we live in the flesh, but we do not wage war against the flesh. We wage wage war in the spirit. The fight is a spiritual one. And friends, we are more than conquerors in Christ. Our weapon is the word of God. By exercising our spirit, our human spirit to contact God, to pray and to declare the word of God, we can demolish the strongholds that are in our mind. In the Bible, the word spirit is translated from the Hebrew Hebrew word ruach and the Greek word pneuma, which is where we get the English words dynamo, dynamic, and dynamite. By praying and exercising our spirit, we can blast the strongholds in our mind that keep us from God's best into smithereens. We can blast the lies into smithereens. Friends, saints, we have the weapon. We have the weapon that is mighty before God in the tearing down of strongholds. Aren't you ready to be set free from all of the lies that say that you're not good enough, that you're just not enough, and that claim that 
your past mistakes define you, I am. Oh, I am so ready, friends, and I know you are too. But I also understand that this is not an overnight process, especially if you've been entrenched in believing those lies for years. It definitely takes a rewiring of the brain to really fully enter into this truth. You know, I got to add a little psychology in here because our brains are powerful. Just as God made them, and they are a storehouse of so many memories, including ones that no longer serve us. Science has shown that our brains are actually very much malleable and can be rewired by our own thoughts. One way to do this is by talking out loud. Declare the word over your own life in an audible way. When Satan attempts to lie to you and bring up a past failure, declare the word out loud and claim the promises of God over your life, which is the second step in the battle for your thought life, is rejecting the lies. Now that you know who the enemy is, we can choose to reject the lies and replace them with the truth. And we will dive more into the second step in the next episode. Today, we've learned to recognize who the real enemy is and then recognize what his weapon of choice is, which is the lies. Remember, we are standing in a point of victory. We have already won the war. We simply need to stand firm and strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I'd love to close this out in prayer. Lord, we love you. Thank you for what you have accomplished on the cross. Cause us to enter into the reality of what you have done. Thank you for equipping us with your word, the spirit, and prayer so that we can stand firm against the enemy and become the overcomers you called us to be. Thank you so much for joining me in the second episode of the Grinding in Grace podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review in the comments section. That way others can find this podcast and be encouraged as well. I'm also working on releasing a blog and a YouTube channel to provide more helpful tips around the topics of faith, wellness, marriage, and entrepreneurship. Until next time, remember to choose the good part while grinding in grace.